NPR senior economics contributor Chris Farrell is here. He joins us most Monday mornings. Hi, Chris. Good morning, Angela. Hello. You look like you have a lot to talk about, but you are excited to get going. Absolutely. (laughs) What's happening? What do you want to start with? (laughs) Well, let's start with this critical meeting that's happening this week between the Chinese leaders and President Biden. It's in San Francisco. uh, And... Z is also going to meet with top American business leaders at a dinner that's following this bilateral meeting. And look, the relations between China and the U.S., I mean, they've been deteriorating for years, mm-hmm. You know, really starting during the Trump administration, continuing through the Biden administration. And just a telling moment, I was in D.C., what, two weeks two ago, weeks ago, I think, two mm-hmm. weeks ago, went to the zoo and saw the pandas, right? Those pandas are now gone. The end of panda diplomacy, China is taking back, not just from the U.S., but also from Europe. And so this is just sort of illustrates the deterioration in the relationship. We're worried about their military ambitions, particularly when it comes to Taiwan. Uh, we're also worried about some of the, you know, their, w- w- in, with high technology that may be used for militarization. Mm-hmm. China has been cracking down in a number of U.S. businesses. So look. Uh, this is really a critical economic relationship. And over the weekend, uh, our Commerce Secretary said, we have a $700 billion trading relationship with China. The vast majority, 99% of that, has nothing to do with export controls. So the sense is that this meeting is really trying to do a little bit of a reset, cool things down, and uh, you know, see if there's places for more cooperation. So that's something to watch this week. Very close. The president's meeting and the economy uh, continuing to chug along. Uh, is the Federal Reserve uh, confident that inflation rates will, will keep heading lower without the Fed raising its benchmark interest, interest rate again? So the Fed has been coming out with this consistent message of uncertainty. <laughs> so it's just, you know, they're, they're just being openly cautious. The attitude seems to be, well, let's wait for some more data. Let's stay vigilant. For now, we're going to stay the course, but we're willing to change our mind if the data changes, of course. Uh, and then there are other factors that are weighing on the Fed, such as uh, the war between Israel and Hamas and what's going on in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. We get critical data point tomorrow. We get the uh, consumer price index for October. Consensus mm-hmm. expectation is that it will continue to reinforce this notion that inflation pressures are coming down, not quickly, but they're easing. But the Fed's just not going to relax. Uh, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell gave a, gave a talk last week, last Thursday. And um, he said, on the one hand, you know, the Fed's worried about we might be misled by a couple of months of good data. Maybe all of a sudden inflation is going to flare up again. But then on the other hand, we may have raised rates too high and that's going to hurt the economy. And it's reminiscent of that famous uh, statement by President Truman. Could he please have a one-handed economist instead of people saying on the one hand and on mm. the other hand? Uh, something that uh, has been troubling me. The headline is back. Uh, the risk of a possible government shutdown this week. That's back. I'd forgotten about that. November, what, 17th is the date? 18th. 18th I can't believe that we are having this conversation. I mean, this is <laughs> talk back. about unnecessary risk to the economy. Look, we have a 3.9% unemployment rate. People have jobs. They're getting better wages. Why would you want to ruin this with a government shutdown? Because it would be a real knock on the economy. So, uh, House Speaker, the new House Speaker, Mike Johnson, he unveiled his compromise proposal to avoid a shutdown over the weekend. So he wants to extend funding. 
You can't make this stuff up, by the way. But he wants to extend some government funding uh, for some agencies to January, other agencies to February. There'd be no change in spending, uh, but it doesn't include things like more money for Israel, more money for for the Ukraine. But it would avoid government shutdown because he wants to get through the holidays before we actually deal with the government shutdown again. And, of course, we're going to see what happens. Um, My sense reading the tea leaves is that this is probably what's going to happen, but nobody's happy with it. And so I, predicting what Congress is going to do, I have, right. yeah. But there's a vote on the on his proposal. That's expected to be held tomorrow. Tomorrow, that's okay. right. Yep. Right. Okay. Uh, let's talk about SAG-AFTRA. Uh, I'm a member of SAG-AFTRA as a, a working journalist. Uh, we had another strike settled last week. Uh, the union uh, that represents tens of thousands of actors uh, reached a tentative deal with uh, entertainment companies after a very long strike. And very so- long. And it looks like, you know, pretty good deal. Better compensation for streaming shows and films, better health care funding. So uh, got actually uh, quite a bit. And we also had a strike averted at the same time at the last minute. So... Um, 35,000 union members working in the Las, uh, Las Vegas casino industry. Uh, they almost, almost went on strike. But uh, the resort owners, Caesars Entertainment, MGM Resorts, International Wind Resorts, they came to a deal. And, of course, then there's the United Auto Workers. They're going to be voting mm-hmm. on, on their deal. So this momentum is real that's happening with unionization. And the holiday shopping season, um, it's upon us. <laughs> Any expectations on how it might go this year? Okay, Angela, I just have to have, this is a complaint. Have you noticed like Thanksgiving doesn't exist? I mean, it's like we've gone right to Christmas. Yeah, we went. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, I feel a little salted by it, but yeah, it's here. Uh, what are what are folks well, saying? The, the in the so, uh, Challenger during Christmas, which is this uh, outplacement firm based in Chicago, they went through the data and retail employment's up three percent compared to October of last year. So that's a good sign. Retail Season, employment, retail mm. employment. So when you go into Macy's, you know, uh, or all these uh, all these other stores. Mm-hmm. Um, Seasonal uh, employment is not as high as it used to be. That seems to be going at a slower pace. There's an increase, but much, much lower. So if you're looking at what's happening with employment, you would say they don't expect a blowout. They expect a solid season. Okay. And for this hour, Chris, we're going to be talking about time management. Uh, people are stressed out. I'm very stressed out. <laughs> they find it hard. You're, I don't you're know. stressed out There's to be talking about that's it. wrong with me, but I, I realize time <laughs> management is something I could be doing a, a better job at. But it really seems like it's hard enough, hard to carve out enough time to do everything every day. Um, because, you know, people are taking care of aging parents or they're taking care of kids. So some people are doing both, right? Uh, trying to stay in touch with friends, uh, trying to, to take care of our bodies and our mental health. Um, you know, what is your take on time management, someone who studied, you know, workplace issues a lot. So this could be an unusual response, but let me read you two lines from a poem. I'd love to help you, but I haven't time. I can't accept having no time. I can't think. I can't read. I'm swamped. I haven't time. Now, this poem comes from an economics book, an absolutely brilliant book written, published in 1970. Uh, it's called The Harried Leisure Class, and it's by a Swedish economist, Stefan Lindner. Wonderful book. And what he starts with is puzzle. If you go back and, you know, philosophers, religious leaders in ancient times, they all assumed that once we were a wealthy society, people would just wander around and there'd be no stress. It'd be just, you know, (laughs) and peaceful. So he goes, what's the paradox here? And it's about how much goods and services we produce Mm -hmm. and having to deal with that. But, you know, another way of looking at it is just as you were saying, we have really high expectations for what is 
just the good life. We diet. We exercise. We have to follow our voting. We have to work. We don't just have a partner. We have to talk to our partner. We have to exercise. I mean, all the things that you're listing. And we all need to do these things well. Oh, by the way, keep up on technology. So right. let's put that on your list. And be kind. So, you know, the good life is a very, very full life. Mm-hmm. 